<laughs> it would be a war spot, eh? Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90min Network. It's me, Rich Hobbs, as always, to talk about the dramatic, I was going to say draw, it was a defeat, wasn't it, uh, to Forest uh, last night in the, in the Carabao Cup. And we're also going to turn our minds back onto the league with the upcoming game against West Ham. Joining me this evening, um, we've got Tom, Jiffo and Pricey. Pricey. How are you feeling at the moment? Because you made a trip to Forest in the monsoon weather across the A38 um, and lived to tell the tale. Uh, and you're factually correct as well. I did choose to go the A38 way and not it's, the motorway it's the easy, way. It's the easiest way to get to uh, the East Midlands. I say it every time and I stand by it. I, I didn't I didn't trust the um, the M6, to be honest. If you, if something happens on there, you're screwed. I mean, you can't, nothing you can do about it. Um Oh man, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm a bit better than I was last night or straight after the game, but I'm just so disappointed. Really, I really am. I just maybe it's a lack of sleep from getting back late, but I just I felt a bit deflated all day to be honest. Um, I don't know. I just it's just a complete like missed opportunity for me. That was I I, I truly I thought we were the better team. Um, it was against beatable opposition, you know, they, they were there for the taking. And um, I guess, you know, typical Wolves fashion, we've let an opportunity pass us by. Not for the first time, and it certainly won't be the last, I'm sure. But um, yeah, after the game, I went for a drink and I was in a, a pub. And me and my mate were the only two Wolves fans in there. And um, it was like Knott's Forest Party Central, and they just. It just wasn't wasn't a great place to be while I was waiting for the car park to clear out. It was just horrible. Um, tempered only slightly when they uh, pulled the draw out the hat and it was Man United and not like Southampton that they got in the next round. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So speaking of um, a party in Nottingham, I only saw it about half an hour before recording, but uh, the scenes in the forest dressing room after the game, I just about got over yesterday. Oh. And then I saw some celebrating. It was just Jesse Lingard. Lingard had, dancing forward. Just, oh, didn't just get on the pitch. No, no. It, it irritated me. Far. It made me feel like a cranky old man, which I appreciate I am, but it shouldn't make <laughs> me feel like that. Um, let's talk about the game because I think it was, it was an interesting one from sort of start to finish. And I don't quite know if. Lopetegui got it well, he didn't get it right. But we'll start with the lineup because it was the first time he kind of went from the back three to start with with um Johnny, Kilman and Toti. Collins had the night off as um Kilman did against Liverpool in the cup. Um and of course Nevis also was on, on the bench as well, got a rest for forty five minutes. Tom, what was your reaction to the lineup? Because it's on paper, it looks a bit disjointed to me. 
Actually, I think on paper for me, I, I wasn't too bothered. I thought it looked all right, but it it was because I thought it was going to be four at the back because of the personnel that was there. I, you couldn't really tell whether it was going to be four at the back or or five. And it, mm. it was, I think it, actually on paper, it wasn't too bad. I probably I wasn't overly pleased that Jimenez was playing, but the rest of them, you know, I, I was I wasn't too fussed. But unfortunately, that I think it was the system that was our downfall ultimately and. It play it was it didn't suit too many of our players if that makes sense. So Johnny is just not a centre half. The further to the right side of the pitch he goes, the worse he gets for me. Um, Matinho, yeah, he hasn't got the legs to play in the midfield too anymore. And Guedes is, is shite on the wing, and it's it's been proven time and time again. And if it happens again, something, I don't know, something's <laughs> seriously wrong um, with, with the coaching teams. They pick him anywhere near the width, uh, the, the, you know, at wide again. It just, he's not that player. Yeah, Jeffo, what, what were your sort of thoughts? Because you know, I, I completely see where Tom's coming from. But when you look at the lineup, um, you know, the, the official Wolves lineup kind of had it as that back five, but very easily interchangeable to a back four with Johnny left back. And it does like, I know, I feel that a 4-4-2 would have suited some of those players a bit better. And Johnny is a right centre-half. Yeah. Where do you stand on that at the moment? I just echo what Tom says. With, with that, I just, the, the more he gets towards that right back, just the worse he plays. And I think you're right, exactly right when you say that, Tom. And, and, the thing is, he, he, we saw him play left back the previous game, and he played well. And the performance that he put in was fine. It was, it was, it was more like the Johnny that we'd seen in the past. But talking about you mentioned Gerez, you mentioned Jimenez. You, you get you, you put in two or three players who were passengers within a whole, whole team, and then it's going to be difficult to to carry the hop to carry your, your, you know, your team to a result. You know these these players they haven't put anything in the last last couple of months. We haven't seen anything from him, especially you know Jimenez. Okay, yeah, he's been injured and, and in and out of the team. But Gerez, since he's coming and actually been involved, he's probably had one or two good games. And I think probably his be- one of his better games was in a, f- a friendly against um, Empoli, which is which says a lot about his <laughs> time here so far. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I know. Adam, you're not a huge fan of. Um, Guedes, but you, you, you're right, Jeffo, that a couple of passengers and a few players off their game who aren't quite fit in the system, you're going to get, not not quite found out, but you're going to struggle. And I think we did first half. Um, not really, it took us a long time to find any sort of any sort of rhythm. Um, what were your sort of thoughts in terms of, I guess, the opening proceedings? Because it? it felt very early on that this ain't working. Yeah, um, it was a strange one. the The first half, because I, like, I mean, I, I was confused. I, I didn't see the, the team line up until like about fifteen minutes before the game. I was going in, and I, 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 to be honest, I couldn't make head or tail of it of who was playing where. So I was finding that out as the game was going on, and um, we just looked a bit just unsure of ourselves and a bit all over the place. Um, and, and you know, we're up against the Forest side, who are probably only just starting to find out 
something that resembling their best team after like you know the amount of players they brought in they naturally took quite a while to find out after all that the cast of thousands they brought in what their best team will be but we just seem, seem to be a bit all over the place um passes are straight I, I don't know if the weather didn't help or certainly the second half it didn't but passes just going astray everywhere um we just seem to be a, a bit lacking in in focus and what we were doing but then it was a bit strange that we then had we then proceeded to go on to have the best two chances of the game or well certainly the first half anyway with with Huang and, and Jimenez um I watched it back again earlier to just refresh my memory of it and Jimenez is he's just he's got to score that as he's gone through he's got to score it I'd I don't know whether he showed too much of it to Henderson, and Henderson is a good keeper, to be fair to him. So you, you might not put it past him that it was that it was a cracking save. But from my when I watched it live at the time, I just thought this is it's got to be rolled in. This it's got to be. And I think we were kind of under the cosh at the moment at that at that time. And I just thought it's another chance that it just goes begging. And that kind of summed up our first half really as well. Um, and I kind of felt, certainly from set pieces, we just looked vulnerable. So, like, well, I was right in front of the goal first half and I was watching them all quite closely from corners. And was it was it the Everton game where Bueno was marking Mina? Yeah. When, he, when Mina scored. Well, again, Bolly is clearly going to be, like, Forrest's main guy from set pieces. Kilman's not nowhere near him. Someone should just be grabbing Kilman and just gluing him to Bolly and saying at corners, you just do not leave him, do not leave his side. But when you watch the goal back, um, you know, Bolly's, I, I can't remember who's on him now. It might, might be Samad. I can't remember who was on him. But it, either way, it's the wrong person to have on Bolly, the, the main target man from the set piece. And just, again, we're left scratching our heads. And I don't know whether, like, we've adopted some sort of weird zonal marking or something from, from corners. But um, for me, there's just some basics there that we just didn't, didn't really adhere to first half. It did seem very much written in the stars that either Bolly or Gibbs White were going to be involved in this game. And both, both of them were, but um, yeah, you're right. We, we looked suspect from corners and set pieces and never said anything near our goal, which isn't really a good place to be, but I know, Tom, you were frustrated from the, the Everton game when we defended badly from it. And do you think it's something, I, I don't know, once is a one-off, two becomes a bit of a pattern. Do you think it's something that we really need to work on? Because, yeah, we've all seen Willie Bolly play. <laughs> we know he's good. We know he's solid from a set piece. And, you know, if he's out, must, I, I think it might have been Samedo. But, yeah frustrating isn't it yeah I think they had a very specific plan from set pieces as well Forrest they just seemed to plug at everyone basically in the six yard box and they hit the near post every single time so they obviously thought there was a weakness there or they'd seen something in us so other teams are picking up on certain traits now which is which is never a good sign um so yeah we didn't we didn't get the first ball, and then it was just a bit carnage after that, wasn't it? I think to be fair to John, and it's just it's just hit Johnny. To be fair, I don't think he probably could react in time. Mm. To be honest, and then obviously it's the, the easiest tapping of, of all for Bolly. Um, I'll give him a bit of a shout out for not celebrating. You know, I didn't think he'd ever give it the big one, but you know, he um, 
we've seen uh, another certain player on the pitch who uh, we won't talk about just yet, but um, it was the exact opposite of that. So I've got to give Bolly a bit of respect for not celebrating. It was the right level of celebration for me. William scored for Fulham tonight against Chelsea, and I, I am not a fan of the non-celebration celebration where you know they put the apology where they put yeah. their hands up. Yeah. I hate it. Mm. Hate it because it's like making a big deal of it. Whereas Willie Bolly, you could see he was smiling, you could see he was happy, but he wasn't making a big show of it. And I think that I don't know, his time at Wolves ended a bit funny, didn't it? Jeffo in the end, which, considering what a strong servant he was for the club, and he was, you know, one of the best players in the champ, you know, I'd argue he's one of the best defenders the championship slash Wolves have seen at that. Here, yeah, definitely. But it, kind of, it, it, it kind of felt like a, 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 a we had a proper goodbye. Does that make does that seem weird to say? Yeah, I think it was like you say, it's a little bit strange. I think with him getting ill during the COVID seasons and him getting COVID and him being in and out of the team, um, kind of put a damp, damp dampener and a, you know, it was a bit of a damp squid to the end of his career because he was a fantastic. Servant for the club, like you said, he was brilliant in the in the championship, and you know we'll we'll always remember that goal against Besiktas as well. And you know he was he was, he was somebody who was enigmatic, and you know, part of that that team who achieved so much under Nuno. And to see him go out the way he did here was was disappointing. But he's only just starting to turn it on now for Forest in the last couple of games, and. You know, I'm happy for him as a player, and you know, and like Tom says, and about you know, he's shown some respect. It's it's nice because of he who shall not be named until later. He's <laughs> uh, almost like Voldemort, isn't he now? But <laughs> but yeah, he uh, big up for the respect because um, others others haven't shown it. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, but one thing we do know about Lopetegui is. And it was it was fascinating seeing him throughout the half because he was bollocking players pretty much from minute one, which is not really a great sign. But he isn't afraid to make the changes. And you could argue that means he's not quite got it right from the start. But, you know, I, I know you're not a fan of um, the, the, the ghost in Guedes, Adam. But bringing on Neves at halftime is a real like, no, no, no. We need we need to get something sensible on here, um, <laughs> and again, you know, making another two subs on the on the hour mark with Kuna um, and Prodence coming on as well. It, really, kind of proactive subs instead of just dawdling on it. Yeah, I mean, I think there is an element of him having to rotate right now. Um, what with the better games we've got coming up is that he's had to do a bit of element of, of rotation just to keep the players from burnout. But um, Guedes, again, is just another... Uh, frankly, I thought that was a disgusting performance from him yesterday and not for the first time. Um, everything he tried and did was just terrible. Um, is that his body language and his attitude just like screams like... He's been forced to sign for us against his will. I think he's been sat there in the darkened room, much like mine, with this light in his face and just shining his face. So you will sign for Wolves. 
or someone's just promised him that Wolverhampton is like some sort of sun-kissed paradise and he's got here and realised it's not and he doesn't like it and wants to go home. But I don't know. I know he's consistently played in a position that's not his, but if if that's if that's where we're always going to play him, then just get rid of him. Just sell him mm-hmm. because what there's, there's no point. There's no point in being here. He's, he's not offered had anything in, in all of the, the time that he's been here. Short time that he's been here, really. Despite the odd where well, he's popped up with the odd goal, even if one, if even they're given to him, you know, he's, he's just not. He's not doing it. It's just a bit of a waste of a shirt space at the moment, to be honest. Um, and you know, it's not the first time I've I've said that. Probably won't be the last until something drastic happens or he or he moves on. He's like for this 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 season. He's my new trinket. He's like that hill I'm prepared to die on. Well, just continually say that he's not very good. You don't want to you don't want to denigrate your own. Of course you don't. But but what what else can you know? He's he's not even give a gl- glimpse of of anything otherwise. So. Yeah, he, he was terrible. Uh, so I wasn't surprised, to be honest, that, that he was subbed at half-time. I thought maybe Adama would come on at half-time, to be honest, but that, that came later. Um, and to, <laughs> to be honest, I know that we um, the, the game kind of took a bit of a tech turn as the second half went on, and you can pinpoint that from the seconds that Podence come on. When Podence got subbed on, he like I don't know what, what had happened. I know he left the boot in a couple of times on some Forest players, but they put Podence and about half the Forest team like hated each other for the rest of the game. Um, I, they must not like I mean, I, I, other than him. I know he deliberately left his foot in, or it seemed like he left his foot in on on Forest player, and that got the backs up. But for the the game took a really bit of a nasty turn. You can trace it back to when Podence come on, but it was live. That you know, it, it was really helped us get push on in the second half. Yes, uh, there, there was. I think he was the um, the Franz Ferdinand moment in terms of because it did it did become a proper ding dong um, that that second half, and you could feel it like every possible moment that you know it was a powder keg about to explode, wasn't it? And you know. Obviously, there's stuff after the game as well, but you could feel it. You could feel it brewing, and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of liked that. It did kind. Of, it felt a bit of a throwback, uh, in a way that actually, you know, this is like two teams who really want this and aren't afraid to show it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it did. It did give me a weird amount of satisfaction because it did feel almost. I don't know. Not. Not. It didn't feel like it was in the championship. But it felt just two teams who were willing to, you know, have a ding-dong if they needed to um, for me. And Ponens is good for that. Um, he is. Um, but Jimenez did get a goal. And, you know, we, we don't get a save it often. But great movement, great work from um, Kuna as well, who I think slowly but surely seems to be embedding himself in this team as a, as a highly technical quality player who you know it, it feels like we're breeding him in slowly but surely but he's doing everything right so far yeah definitely I, I, I think he needs to start starting games now yeah he's, clear, he's clearly our best centre forward I mean that's not even that isn't even up for debate um he plays with his head up and it's just like a basic thing but he just plays with his head up he's like and this isn't a dig at Adama but he's 
he's like the opposite to a Dharma in that you know Dharma gets his head down and just like hits it into an area where Kuhn is everything's you know pretty precise. I can't remember too many misplaced passes. Um, he chases around a lot. You know he's 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 sort of really endeared himself. He's, it seems already to the you know talk about the yeah, the penalty shootout um, later. I'm sure, but um, he's really endearing himself to the fans with with what he's doing on the pitch, what he's saying off the pitch. He's is the sort of the anti. It's like the, the Guedes, um, you know, dissing show, but it's like the opposite to Guedes in that, you know, he runs around, Guedes doesn't look like he's bothered, Kuna looks like he's up for everything. Um, apparently he was a bit involved in the melee at the end as well, which to be honest, I quite, I quite like, um, you know, yeah, yeah you got it. Yeah. He's already, you know, backing up, you know, the, the, the team he plays for and that's something you've got to, you've got to really like, but, um, brilliant assist. It was a great, great move. The goal, I mean, watch it back. It was, it was really good. It shows Nunes' quality as well, actually driving from, from midfield, um, you know, a quick one-two, he's passed the man, um, yeah, and then we're, we're on the defence. It was Hwang, he did the um, one-two. Yeah, Quang, I, I, just, I thought Hwang yeah. had a decent game, to be fair. Even that chance he missed first off, he's he hit it into jump, the ground. Yeah, yeah I, I actually think Hwang had a, had a really good... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, kicked, he's, kicked, he's kicked the ball. That's a, that's, that's a tick in the, in the Hwang box already. Um, but the, genuinely, I thought Hwang had a, had a decent game last night and it was a really nice flick around the corner for, for Nunes. And uh, yeah, really good team goal. Well worked. No, definitely. We've seen the best of Nunes, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, he looks the player we signed. Yeah, I was gonna say it's funny what happens when you play like this 40 million pound player in his best position, isn't it? Um, (laughs) it's like you know, like I know you've been screaming out for it. Um, but Kuna, I'm not gonna say he looks a real deal, but it's it's an art profession to have someone who's good up front. (laughs) I I ran out of like descriptive words there, but someone just can. I know he can break the line, he can link up the play, even for the goal, you know, obviously he has to go out wide for it, which isn't necessarily where you want your centre forward. But again, great, just did everything that you needed to, kill a ball across the um, six-yard box as well, set it up. Yeah, I think it's just something so different that we've had over the last couple of years. I don't, Jimenez, probably, you could you compare the two and, and, and Jimenez was probably very similar Back before the injury, you know, and and he was somebody who would pull wide as well and was involved in assists and was a very you know very creative footballer. But now that like the last sort of like eighteen months, we've been very static up front, and you know we've been screaming for somebody like this. You know, he, he, he's like how Jimenez was, how Jota was. Mm. He's, he's something different, and you when you've got that X factor that he's got. You know, you're going to create danger. You're going to create chances, and and I know anyone could have scored that. <laughs> they could they, they could have wheeled Steve <laughs> Bullet with, with with in a wheelchair and he'd have tapped it in. It was that easy. But that says a lot about Cunha and what he's done on the pitch. And, and say props to Huang and Nunes for the build up it was fantastic. But that ball was just sumptuous and and was put on a plate for Jimenez. And if that's what we're going to see from Cunha, then you know. Jimenez, if he's going to play games, he's going to get goals, and and Diego Costa will get goals eventually. So, and that's how we're going to see it. You know, if they bring somebody else in, brilliant. But we've got somebody who's going to create chances now, and and that's what we've missed. And this sort of player creates a little bit of chaos, and 
not just within that moment, within another moments of the game. He's got personality, like you're saying. But Tom says he's got personality, and you can see it. Just so little snapshots throughout the game, and little snapshots that you see through YouTube and 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 you know backroom things. It's, it's just that little bit of life that brings to the club, and it just it's, it seems to have lifted everyone. And with it's similar to Diego Costa. Diego Costa's great back 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 scenes, but this guy is affecting the pitch. And that's that's the key thing is what we need in somebody who can go on the pitch and create something different. Yeah, one one thousand percent. And all the things I'd seen about him previously and what I'd watched, like obviously he doesn't have the highest goal return, but you can see that he is sort of that catalyst that all of a sudden he's just dragging everyone. You know, if, if he's given that extra bit of pace, everyone else has to move at his pace as well, and he's dictating some of those movements, which could only be good for Wolves. But it was a bit back and forth, second half, and I think Wolves had chances, and we did dominate second half more. And we did sort of find our rhythm when, you know, we bring on a few more subs as well. Triore comes on um, as well, and we bring on Joe Hodge. But we get to full time, of course, and it's the penalties, because there's no uh, extra time in the Cup, which was a bit of a strange, a bit of a strange sensation. Um, to kind of just go straight to penalties. I was half relieved of it, but you do have that sort of dread, regardless of what it is when it comes to penalties. And part of me was, I was pretty confident going into it because Sars a pretty decent penalty stopper. And, you know, I know Jimenez had been subbed off, but Nevers has been reliable from spot the last 12 18 months. Podence is solid. For, he's taken a couple of penalties in shootouts and things like that. So I was, I was feeling pretty confident. How were how you guys feeling going into it? Because obviously we know it ended, but... I wasn't as confident oh, as you. I, well, I think Henderson's... <laughs> no, Henderson's got a good record, hasn't he, to be fair? Yes. In hindsight, and... I didn't realise he'd... I think he saved like about 14 um, yeah. career penalties or something silly for what's quite what, a young what, goalkeeper. What I will say is um, to the Forest fans, they knew how to like, stir up an atmosphere when they got to penalties. Mm. We, were, we were happy that they were doing it down our end to start off with. But for each penalty, the crowd, the whole stadium seemed were getting behind Henderson and they, they made a lot of noise. They made it like quite a you know, raucous uh, part, you know, raucous shootout. They were getting right behind Henderson. Um, he was, I think, certainly for, for, for Pedence's penalty, as per the, the aforementioned beef that Pedence was getting in with the entire Forest team, Henderson went like a level above to try and um, put Pedence off. You could tell he was like trying to lean forward. And just as he was going to like start his penalty take, take, you could see like he stepped forward and like started clapping at him to try and, try and put him off. But... Um, yeah, they got they got right behind Henderson that the home crowd did. Um I I wasn't confident when it started because Wolves and penalties are much like oh, sorry, sorry, Wolves and penalty shootouts are much like England and penalty shootouts. You know, we don't have too many successes to be honest. Um and that only kind of exacerbated when the Neves hit that first penalty, which is a bit of a shocker. 
to be honest. I've, I have, I've, ref, I've refused to watch back any of the, the, the spot kicks, but um, I just remember it being a pretty poor penalty, which is a shame because I, I saved the first one. So I thought, oh, here, okay, here we go. But then, you know, I thought this only counts if Neves can bury his. And I just thought, oh, shit, like that was, that was not what we wanted at this point. Such a poor penalty from him. Yeah, I think the Forest player who missed before him, it went the same side, but it was a much better shot slash save from Saar. Mm. Jimenez was a, wasn't quite near the corner. When we've seen a couple of other penalties he's, that he's scored this season, he's played with confidence. He's properly tucked him in the far post. And, you know, it is, it is a game of inches um, when it comes to penalties. But I was going to say, we did recover and we did have some nice penalties. I say, I love Podence's penalty stance. Like this really short run up and then just yeah. buries it top bins. Just just perfect for nice. me. Um and you know, then you get um the uh Forest centre half, which I thought was uh, you know, interesting move, but he's I guess club captain who, you know, levers it at feeling that. And then we have um then we have Mr. Gibbs White, which is uh you could, you could hear the dog whistles and whatever, and, and the whistles happening. Then he does this um, triple jump, hop, skip, and jump to the penalty. And how Saar didn't save that, I will never know, because it it mm. seemed like it floated in the air, the penalty, and just slipped through his hands at the last minute. It was a difficult one, wasn't it? He, 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 I think it was just the height of it. it was just probably slightly too high for him, but. Other than that, it wasn't really a great penalty from from him. Um, and then, that was the last we heard of him. And then, yeah, he didn't do anything else. He faded into non-existence. <laughs> but, all the Forest fans, I don't know what they're talking about. No. Don't, don't we, know that, genuinely, I've just realised we've not actually talked about the penalty incident as well um, regarding Nunes, which we probably should. But I want to talk about, I want to talk about Gibbs White and... I've got no issue with him doing that celebration. Genuinely, yeah. in my opinion, he's got his right. You've got a right to reply if you're getting whistled at, and you get you know it wasn't like he was you know you're a wanker or whatever. He's getting put off to take his penalty. He scores it. Yeah, it was a bad penalty, and you probably should be humble, bro. But I do admire it because actually, you know what. I've quietened you now. Still, I don't know what everyone's kind of. Or, or I don't know what everyone's. I understand it's because it's him, and you know we've been giving him abuse, not since he's left Wolves, but even while he was at Wolves, he was getting abuse. Um. So, yeah, I think it's. I think people have been a bit overly precious. The fact that he's done something bad. But I don't, I don't understand what Wolves fans are kind of expecting in a way because if you are going to be at him 24-7, he's naturally going to do something if he if he scores against us. I mean, yeah, the penalty snuck in. I mean, I, jammy bastard. I really thought that Sarah got that, to be honest. But obviously, he did he had his little moments with, with the finger in the ears and he was, he just, it just shows he's, he's, he's a bit of an immature attitude. He got so rattled by the fact that Kuna did it back to him. 
he was like, I was watching Gibbs White when that happened, and I saw him do like a sarcastic clap, and I thought that was it. I thought he, he took it good nature, but then uh, as Coombs was coming back to the halfway line, he, you could just see he was rattled, and he started to try and get over to the Wolves players. And I thought, wow, that's really something so simple has like really, really got to him. But um, yeah, I mean, it's annoying that it, that it's him, and he, you know, he, he scored the penalty, and Forrest ultimately went through. But I don't have a massive issue with it because as we said you know if, if, if fans are going to give him pelters on the pitch and 24-7 on Twitter it's going to just doing some a little gesture really is it's fair game to be honest and I think there's quite a few you know certain type of fan who just like, enjoys that sort of thing enjoys that banter and like pantomime rivalry with between players and fans so I don't I don't really have too much of an issue with it it's annoying don't get me wrong, it's really fucking annoying that, you know, he's... I, I want to say got one over on us because he didn't do anything in the game itself. No. Just all, all his contribution was was like sneaking a lucky penalty past Saar. But, um, yeah, I'm not like some others who, like, embarrassing themselves on Twitter. Um, about isn't it more the after... after, after the I, result stuff, though, isn't it really say, compared yeah, to the actual I, penalty? That's yeah. that's a bit classless, really. I think that what happened after the game did like. I think that's what people have got upset about because it seems like, you know, for, for those who didn't see, Kuna scored directly after him. He did exactly the same celebration toward like just turned the other way to do it to the Forest fans. Yeah, thought, that was brilliant. That was yeah, cojones is what I'm going <laughs> to say about it. You know, um, yeah, that was good. And you say, like, he seemed to have got really wound up by it. And then after the game, you've won. You've gone through on penalties. You're in the semi-final of a cup for the first time in ages, Forrest. Why is your energy going towards it? Like, it should, like... I'm not sure what the flashpoint was. I'm I'm not sure what actually happened with with that. Because I've I've, I've not watched it back. And I didn't see what happened in real time. I just just thought... Started all kicking off. I'm not if any of you guys know, but I don't know what the actual flash point was that started all off. Whether it was Gibbs White or whether it was, I I, I mean I, again I wasn't there, so I don't know. And you only see little snippets and stuff. But I think he's basically after the win, he's rushed over to the Wolves fans and then done it. You know, again, which is a bit shite. And then I, I again I read it might have just be all like Chinese whispers and stuff that it, it might have been Lopetegui that sort of went up to him and took a bit of effect like he was one of the ones sort of saying well that's you know that's sort of not on. Um, right. the, the, the stuff I've heard is like Toti's actually trying to break stuff up. I, I think he was I think it was Kuna and maybe Adama I think that he might have been having a bit of a ruckus with it as well as Lopetegui and the coaching staff and then I think Totti's gone to separate it all but then Gibbs White's turned on Totti at that point. And it's that classic, he's got that classic little man thing where he's like, hold me back, hold me back type, he seemed to be. Oh, um, really? uh, yeah, trying to get oh, him a little well, bit that more. The clip I've seen, it looked a little bit like that, to it, be honest. It, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll there's lots of clips of him walking away while pushing people, like, no, 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 stop, yeah. stop, stop, whilst evading, you know, Toto Gomez, who's twice the size of him and who is, like, physically picking up human beings out of the way to, uh, <laughs> to get to him. Um and uh, I've been rattling my brains. So I, I tweeted about it yesterday in regards to Joe Hodge, who missed the decisive penalty, who never quite looked comfortable from the spot. Mm. And whether it was the right thing to him be the fifth penalty taker. Now, 
I know you might, you know, uh, penalties may or may, may not be a lottery, but he is our most inexperienced player. And he has been assigned what arguably could be the most decisive penalty. It could be, you know, penalty number three could be the most decisive from before. Even after him, he could have been, you know, if he was sixth taker, it would have been just as equally decisive. But I don't know. Do you think that the order should have been slightly different to protect him? Or actually, you know what? He's a professional footballer, and he's stood up and he's, you know, stood up and being counted. I don't. I, don't... I, think, I think you're right. Yeah. I think the two most important penalties in this year: the first one and the fifth one. Um, and so they they because they bookend the whole thing, but mm. it shows cojones and and bottle that he's he's got up and done it. But I think a lot of us were 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 not sure who was going to take that fifth one, and, and Kilman's done it in the past. Uh, Samedo's take, taken penalties as well. There's not a, a clear person who who's going to be there. So to have somebody who's you know so so young who's you know he volunteered to take it. So hmm. it shows his his personality is 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 such that he think he backs himself. He backed himself to score it. So I don't see him being a problem. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest penalty. It was a very good height for Henderson. But there's there's plenty of other people in the squad like Samato and Kilman and, and people like that who have taken penalties and fucked it up in the past. So I don't really mind somebody else giving it a go and, and missing because there's not many people in the world who could stand there and say, Oh yeah, I'm guaranteed I'm gonna score this. There's there's mm-hmm. not many just Latans and, and Balotelli's in the world who who are gonna put put ninety nine out of a hundred penalties away. So you got to give props to the guys to, to say, "Oh yeah, I'll give it a go." I think, yeah. Um, I think the question that I had coming away from it was, um, Lopetegui took Jimenez off with about fifteen minutes left when penalties were looming. And I did think at the time, I thought, "Well, that's one penalty taker gone, going off." Mm-hmm. You know, we, the game was still this game was in the balance, and. Um, yeah, my namesake. There, I'm on the YouTube comments saying something similar. That, um, yeah, I, I, I saw him go off. I think he was about 15 minutes left, maybe 10 minutes it, left. It was, it was, yeah. Left. He brought on a dime on the 75th minute. Where you're completely right that I'd have found a dime from the spot kit fascinating. Watch, I know, <laughs> like that. Just yeah. that's how weird. like you know. Voyeuristic is that the only way I could describe my feelings towards watching a Dharma Troyway because he doesn't take set pieces. Like, you, can, I, you can't I, dribble it into the goal from a penalty, Rich. Yeah, like, <laughs> have you ever seen a Dharma kick a ball from a stand like with a ball at a standing position like that? This is where someone's gonna like show me clips from scoring penalties, isn't it? It's like watching Peter Crouch score a pen- have a penalty, it just looks wrong. But you're right, why, why not just keep. 15 minutes left of the game. Adama didn't really make an impact on it. It didn't impact the for, mm. you know, formation shift too much because we had Kuna there. Given the 90 and we've got one of the best penalty takers of you know, 21st century on. What, what I will say with um, with Hodge is that obviously, as, as Jeff O said, you know, he, he's put his hand up. They, they, they were looking for a number five. He, he's had bollocks to say, but I'll, I'll take that. Now, none of us have saw Hodge 
unless you can tell me otherwise, none of us have saw Hodge take a penalty before. So I don't know how good he is at it or not. Um, so he must have been backed to, to do it. Like I say, I, I was wondering at the time who else is going, who else on the pitch is left to take one or who could, like your Kilmers and Troy, etc. But that being said, to be honest, I've got to be honest, when, he, when, the, when it was him stepping up, I, I, I wasn't confident at all. I could just see, I could just see the post-match comments now about, you know, oh, this, this, he'll, he'll, he'll learn from this, he'll grow from this, he's young, blah, blah, blah. I could just, I could just see all the comments and all in what Wolves WhatsApp chat groups up and down the land. I could just foresee it all when he was stepping up, and um, he had an element of like, um, like a simplistic penalty about it, just run up and hit it hard to your left as you as you're looking. I think it was like a penalty that was quite easily read. Oh, there you go. Abby Jarvis has said that he has taken pens for number 23s before. So, there you go. He, he must have history. He must, he must have some skill about taking penalties if if we've agreed to trust him with the fifth penalty in the shootout. It's just that, you know, probably the majority of Wolves fans have not seen him take one before. So, it's unfortunate for him. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, it's a bit of a cliche alert, but I'm sure he will learn from it and grow. But, um. Yeah, say so you just it was just one of the missed opportunity for us, really. Yeah, and I, I definitely don't think it should be held against him. You say like, think for any player to stand up in a shootout, it t- takes a lot, especially for a younger player. And you say, well, who's left? Don Troy, who would you penalty take? Maybe not. I mean, you're looking at your defenders, of which you got Kilman and Johnny, maybe. I don't know, and Samedo's quite senior players. But as as we've got another YouTube uh, comment, big thanks to everyone who's joined in live. Even if Kilman had taken the fifth penalty, Hodge would have to go in the next couple with more stress and pressure. And, and I get it. And there's no right solution. And I think I've just rationalised it in my head now that I just feel bad. I just feel bad for him because he's... Had a bit of a break. He's had his breakthrough season with us, and you just don't, you just don't want to see it from any player. Like you can, I can cope with Nevis in a way missing a penalty, um, and I understand it. But for him, it just it was tricky. But um, the only instant we've not covered, and I wanted to put end, end the section with it, is because I've had pelters from it throughout the day. Um, was the penalty incident. Now, I can understand why it wasn't given. I'm not saying, I, I personally think, I, if I was ref, I probably would have given it. But, do you guys all think that, yes, it was a penalty, it's a stonewaller, and I'm a secret Not Forest fan? I, I think you're right in saying you can see why it's not given, but it, yeah, it is a penalty, I think. Does anyone disagree with that? I think it is a penalty. No, I think it's a penalty. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm, 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 I want to say the floor's yours, Rich. Justify it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long you got? Well, as he unfurls his forest scarf. I was going <laughs> to say, <laughs> people are going to make comments now. No, so over time, initially, like when I first saw it, like you see his boot come off. So it's like, well, clearly, yeah, he's made contact because. His boots come flying off. I did find it amazing to see the scenes of like Ruben Evans literally like presenting his boots <laughs> to the ref, being like, 
How's it not happened? For me, I think that Matthias has tried to buy that penalty by shielding, well, essentially attempting to shield the ball. But what he's done, in my opinion, is he's actually moved in towards the player and actually away from the trajectory of the ball. So the ball's going away from goal. The player, the Forest player's kind of running towards his own goal in a way, or towards that side. And Mateus rotates his body, but he rotates it into the path of the Forest defender, which isn't actually technically shielding the ball, because he's, if he'd have done that, he'd have taken the step inside to then collect it, which is why I think he's somewhat he's initiated that contact. Now, I do think if, if that's on the... I don't know, like, on your own byline, I think it gets given as a foul every day for a week. But, I don't know, I just, I can kind of see from, like, the reverse angle why the referee is five yards away from it, who has a, let's be honest, a pretty fucking good view on it, has felt that Mateus has drawn in the foul to too much of a degree. I don't think that makes it less of a penalty, though, does it? I think it, you can. There is that that phrase like playing for penalties, and I know I never really like the argument of well, it's a, if it, it's if it's it's a foul elsewhere on the pitch, but not in the area. That's just mm-hmm. not right. If it's a foul, it's a foul. It doesn't matter where it is. It reminded very me. Uh, it reminds me very much of. Uh, do you remember the the Mares one in the three-two that we had against City? That I mean, that was given on VAR eventually, wasn't it? But it was very very similar. Like there was. Contact, minimal contact, but contact nonetheless. But for me, it's contact in the box, and the guy hasn't won the ball, so it's not a penalty. I'm seeing it. It's it's clumsy from the Forest player, and and like you say, I don't buy the if it's a foul on on the another part of the pitch. It's a foul if it's a foul, like you say. And I think the acid test of it was so many fans of other football clubs are saying that it's a penalty, Stonewall penalty. I think if when you get people from clubs who, who don't, who shouldn't give a shit about what, what happens against us are saying it's Stonewall, then I'd say it's pretty, pretty clear cut. Um, but it's one of those, it, it, you know, I don't want to be conspiracy club like Stu about the cabal and upsetting, <laughs> upsetting the referees. But you know, there is that thought in the back of the head that oh. makes me think, ooh, after, after the no, Liverpool game. No, because all Stu would have said is after the Liverpool, if that, not necessarily that yeah. one. So I, again, I, I actually think it should have been given as a penalty, but I understand why I think he... I, I, the easiest way I can say it is, if we're saying that Mateus tried to buy the penalty, by the very nature of that phrase, he hasn't... Like it, it is a foul because he's had to anticipate it, but I still think it's a stone. Foot. I, I still think he it should be a penalty. But if we were given, let's say, a lighter one, we were given, I don't know, a soft hand ball. We're saying, oh, that that's just the refs. That's for cabal. That's for corrupt cabal making up for Liverpool. Um, I, just, I only just wanted to get that phrase in there because it should be used more. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I can sort of see it, and I th- it might just be me being like the ref is 
literally, I've looked at the replay of it. He's like six yards away from it. So he's the ref's obviously seeing something apart from, you know, the pound signs in his bank account. We were through uh, the, um, the rather humorous sight of both Neves and, um, well, probably Nunes and Cunha at some point running in all different directions towards linesman and ref holding either part of a boot or a shin pad or something, just running all in separate directions in a vain attempt to try, to try and get a pedal. <laughs> one thing um, I find interesting, because obviously it was tipping it down, right? The, it, Mateus's foot's going to be soaking. He's got to be careful about athlete's foot, in my opinion. You know, does he hop? Because I think watching a professional football hop across the pitch to protest nullifies the point of a pro. Like I think it kind of overshadows what you're protesting if you have to do it on one leg. Um, <laughs> so I admire, I admire him for carrying on. Um, but we'll take, we'll take 30 seconds um, and we'll have a quick break before we talk a little bit about transfers and talk a little bit about West Ham as well. We'll see you in just a second. Hello, welcome back, everybody. So, it's not been confirmed yet, but it, think, it feels like it's about to be. But Wolves look set to sign Mario uh, Lamina from Nice. I think it's a very good, astute signing. I've, it's been talked about it being a four and a half year deal, which I find bonkers considering I think he's 29 and he's not he's only played over 30 league games in one season which was last season he ticks all the boxes in terms of the play we need to bring in would you say Tom I think so yeah um he's had I think he's had a bit of a from what I read the bits and pieces yeah he's had a bit of a career resurgence I think in in Nice that the fans seem to love him and, and uh, he seems to be um almost reaching that potential that we spoke spoke about so much when he was in his younger days at Juventus. Um, so high energy, so he ticks that box, which seems to like to be the, the key attribute that Lopetegui's after. Um, yeah, quite dynamic. Uh, and and let's, we're in need of, of, of another body in there, aren't we? And I think, you know, it was spoke about at the start of the window there, they were looking for players with, with Premier League experience. So again, that's another box ticked. Um so yeah, I'm all for it. I think it sounds like it's it's as good as done. Pretty much, I think he said his goodbyes at, um, at Nice, and uh, obviously he's not going to be ready for for the weekend. But probably not long after that, maybe even the you know the, you know, the cup game if, he, if he's eligible. I don't know if he's eligible if he wasn't registered before the first leg, but you know the the initial game. But mm. who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't think it'll be long before we see him. Yeah, um, I know you're a fan of both French and. Italian football, which is where mm-hmm. he spent predominantly most most of his career by Juve yeah. and uh, Marseille as well as Nice at the moment. Seems to be a really, I guess, we, we've got Neves and Matinho have quite similar games. Could you say that Matthias and Lamina have similar games in terms of how they play to kind of hopefully relieve a bit of pressure off Matthias at times or do we think he's a whole of a kettle of fish I think so there's somewhat I think there's a lot of comparison between Nunes and Lamina I think Lamina's probably more of a hybrid between Traore um, and uh, Nunes I think yeah. he's he's, the, he's that engine room he you know he, he can carry the ball but he's not 
quite as polished and and refined like Nunes is. Nunes is, you know, a 30, 30 year old bottle of scotch. You know, he he's smooth, he's classy, he's crisp. But Lamine is a bit more of a workhorse. You know, it was an interesting one when he was first linked. I, th- I thought he's when he was at Southampton. I thought he did well for for the first five, five or six games, and then he kind of just disappeared. And I think there was questions about his attitude and whether he wanted to be at a club like that. You know, for someone who, who, who at the early part of his career showed great potential, and, and and you know, talked to Tom mentioned about his time at Juventus, and when he was at Juve, he looked like a player who was going to break onto the scene, and it kind of all just went a bit damp with him when they were changing managers, and he lost lost his place in the team and he wasn't getting picked. So he was always one that seemed a bit bitter that he was playing for a club who wasn't a Champions League club and who wasn't in Europe. But, you know, if he has had this, like he, he's shown, he shown at Nice with this renaissance in the back end of his career, then hopefully we're going to have a player who can be useful in and around the squad. And especially with Traore being out for a couple of months, you know, we need somebody who's going to be able to do the dirty work and, and, be involved in, in, in crunch games because, you know, might know if Sands or Butts about it, we're, we're still in a fight and, you know, we're still in the bottom three. We're, st- we're going to need players who are going to want to roll their sleeves up and help us get out of that situation. And he's somebody who's done it with Southampton in the past. And, you know, unfortunately, he wasn't able to do it with Fulham. But, you know, he's someone who's been in and around these relegation fights before and, I think the key thing is that they want somebody who's got, like you say, Premier League experience. He's he's got probably 60, 80 games in the Prem, so yeah. it's, it's it's some something that's going to hold us hold us in good stead, hopefully. Yeah, I was surprised with how long he was actually. Well, he was actually a registered Southampton player for. To be fair, because he was there for a few seasons in the end. I think he was there for what was technically sort of three seasons spent um, a couple of years out on loan. But one of them was to was to Fulham. Um, I say for me, he's, if nothing else, he's providing he's he's relieving the legs of the likes of Matinho, Nevers, and Mateus, while still hopefully giving us that bit of energy. And you're right, he's sort of rekindled his career a bit because I think there was, I guess, a point of him potentially becoming a bit of a journeyman if he wasn't careful. And kind of I say, but my my master, my margin face. You have a spell out in Turkey, which can sometimes be, you know, where, you know, journeymen footballers start the latter half of their career and, you know, he'd have kind of gone that way. But hopefully he gives Wolves what we need. Um, not sure if he will sign in time for us, um, the game on Saturday, which is against West Ham. West Ham, I think have quietly guys gone under the radar in my opinion about how poor they've truly been this season um i was gonna say you know how poor they've been because if wolves actually beat them on saturday we'll more we'll go two points ahead of them um they're only a couple of points ahead of us in the league they're just above the relegation zone on 15 points and just it's all kind of gone wrong for them this season i guess in the same way it's gone wrong for us just slightly further on from last season they've had a bit of a fall from grace really I mean I was checking out some of their player stats earlier and um, they sit in the league anyway they seem to be having similar woes 
to us as regards to scoring goals. They're just they're not they're not getting any goals whatsoever. So I mean, looking at it here, I think they're they're they've got two players who on three goals in the league anyway as their top scorers, and that's like Wolves' levels of inability to score goals. That is, um, so it's. It's obviously a bit of a come down because last last season they were like the outsiders trying to trying to get into the top four, weren't they? Suchek was was firing, Antonio obviously we've been linked with as was firing, um, Ben Rama was obviously a great player who they had either off the bench or starting, so they had good options. And I don't know whether some players have had their heads turned and want to move on now. Or, Probably looking at you there, Declan Rice, with that. You know, he's obviously wants to he wants to move on from them now, um, or whether like Moyes has maybe overachieved a little bit in the time since he's been there. Because I know when he rejoined West Ham, everyone was had a bit of a hey moment because I don't I'm, I can't remember his first stint there it wasn't exactly covered in glory, but um, I didn't think that they would tail off this this quickly and might be down scrapping it out with us at the bottom of the table. Um so yeah it's it makes for an interesting game really to be honest because I, I mean I wouldn't have put West Ham down in this position you know pre pre-season when we're talking, when we're looking at squads and how teams might fare. Um that being said, you know I I I'm go- despite what's happened in the last couple of games, I'm going going into it quite confident. To be honest, I think that'd obviously be a bit more rotation from us on Saturday and moving players about, uh, keeping the squad fresh with minutes. But um, I think we can capitalise. We just put there up on the graphic for the, like, the YouTube viewers that their away form is absolutely fucking shocking. So, yeah, yeah nine. There you go. So, up, up on screen there, they've played nine games away from home, only won one of them and lost six of them. So, they're, they're there to be got at. They're there. They're certainly in dire straits form-wise. They don't seem to be scoring goals. All points for a West Ham win. <laughs> I was going to say you're ticking all all for wondrous boxes, aren't you? There, um, Jafo, What are you thinking in terms of starting lineups? Um, I know we've talked about Kuna. We think he should, in all our probably humble opinions, he should be uh, he should be starting. But what are you thinking in terms of some of the other players? I think it's um, a difficult one, actually. I think. That... I think Totti Gomez actually has played his way into potentially getting a start. And I think, I don't know whether the other guys will agree with me, but I think if anyone drops out, it's going to be Kilman. And I think we we could we could see, you know, we've got to go back to a back four against West Ham. We need to get out of him at home. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd probably say Bueno, Um Toti, um, Collins and Tomato, uh, and then across then I'd like to potentially see Nunes, Neves, and I'd, I'd like to see Cunha behind Costa and then Pedence and Huang. And I think that'd probably be our strongest team. Um, whether he's he's got quite got it to, 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 to play them, play Cunha in behind in, in sort of like a number 10 role, not, I'm not sure, but that, that's where I, I see him being the most effective um, behind Diego uh, to hold the ball up. But yeah, I, I think it pretty much pits itself. I think there's a couple of key areas, like so, sort of that guy who's going to play the ten, and I think the centre backs would be where where I'd look. I think Kilman's had okay season. I think I think a lot of people talk about Collins uh, about oh yeah he makes mistakes, but 
fuck me, for the age he is, he's class. And I mm. think we're starting to see it now. And I think he's polishing what game on game. He's becoming this more finished, polished footballer. And I, you can see why he was linked with big clubs last summer because you you can see his qualities shining through. Yeah, he seems to be someone who definitely under Lopetegui, his games kicked up a notch. And, you know, whether that's form or development aspects, who knows? But you can't necessarily say the same thing about Kilman, whose form had dipped and is not quite recovered at the same pace as, as, as Kilman's. I was going to say, I dread to, I almost dread to ask, but what are we all thinking score-wise for the game? Are we all feeling pretty confident? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, yeah, I mean, he's what, we've only lost one game under Lopetegui in theory. I know we sort of lost last night, but, you know, it was a draw in 90 minutes. Um, so I think he has put, he's made us hard to beat again, which... Um, was definitely not the case before his arrival. We looked um, like we were just ready to roll over at any possible moment. So um, we're a lot more steely now. So we definitely haven't got anything to, to fear. Um, you know, so just purely based on West Ham's record. Um, although it would be typical Wolves just to uh, give a team a, a leg up when they need it. Um, but I'll, I'm going to go 2 0. 2 0. Pricey, how about you? Yeah. Um, same as Tom um, I think we'll find our shooting boots on Saturday I think we can I think we'll win 2-0 as well um, I just think the stats just show that, that, that you know they're struggling to score we've improved since Lopetegui's come in if we can hit upon the right balance up front and I think as we've said before I think Kuna does need to start now if he does then I think we can make it a bit more comfortable for ourselves. Um, as we mentioned at the towards the start of the, the show, we're you know we're starting to see the real Nunes now. The real Nunes has stood up, and I think he's going to start really commanding games a bit more now. Along if he's got Neves behind him, and we've got Nunes with him, then that's that those two are the, the dream ticket in in midfield because. You know, Matinho is just not really affecting games anymore. Sad, you know, sadly, he's not he's not having the desired effect. So I think if we if we, if we can play, you know, the team that we just mentioned earlier, then I think we've got a good chance of winning. So, yeah, I'm thinking a two nil as well. Very nice, uh, Jafo. What's your scores? A little bit tired. I'd, I'd probably get two one. I, I, I don't see us keeping the clean sheet against them. I think it's just going to be a really nervy game. No, that'll probably end up with them getting at least one. So, yeah, I'm gonna go. What I'm gonna go one nil Wolves. Same line, but I reckon we'll 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 shut them out. Um, that will be, of course, unless we sign Mikel Antonio as well. But say we seem to be linked with a lot of West Ham players at the moment, which I don't find a bit fascinating. I think it screams agents for me. But I don't know if that's my. If Stu can have cabal of um, referees. I think seeing multiple players linked to your club always always strikes me as funny. Um, a couple of fixtures um, we got coming up this weekend um, across the across the league. Some really good standout ones, to be honest. You know, we usually can't go. Oh, what, what's your highlight? We've got the United derby. We've got the North London derby, and there's also a big game 
um, a couple of big games down the bottom as well because we've got Everton, Southampton, Forest, Leicester um, as well, and also Brentford versus Bournemouth. Out of all of them, though, which, which ones are we really looking forward to? Um, either from, I guess, a quality standpoint or from helping ourselves out? I think the Manchester derby could actually be a tight one for a change. I mean, it's not, not been as in recent years, really. Or, you know, we've always been expecting City to, to wipe the floor of them, but Ten Hag seems to be starting to implement his ideas a bit more now. They, they've got that sort of steel about them again. Um not, I think we need City to win because I think if United beat them, they're going to have their tails up and they'll want to absolutely wipe the floor with us when they play us in the following game. So I think we do, we could do with the City win there, although I think it'll be a good watch. Um, yeah, and obviously, yeah, so many the play, games down the bottom, isn't there? Everyone's playing each other. It's it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting that Southampton-Everton game. I think, if, um, I think if Everton lose, I think that might be Lampard's last game. Um, but yeah, I mean that that could, that could go either way. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's going to be yeah an interesting weekend, put it that way. Looks like a big weekend um, for me. We'll round up with one question from Twitter corner. Big thanks to everyone um, who's been watching along tonight and also listening on podcasts. Okay, so the question's from Stu, and he says, since I brought out this great uh, piece by. Um, uh, Scratch Fine Arts on the show um, on our last show if you can have artwork of any Wolves player past or present who would it be and why I'm just going to go to the, my, my one um, which I think I might just try and get framed but it's got to be Newer Dicko versus uh, Warsaw <laughs> I mean as, as, as iconic photos go I, I think iconic. it's up there I think it's up there um I know people are probably going to say Neves or Toti Gomez because he's a good-looking boy, but that's mine. Mine are a little bit older, probably. I I I want one with Ludovic Polo strapped up with a bandage. Oh, or Vio diving into the crowd when he got that second booking. I just I just want either, either of those. Yeah. <laughs> you have Ewan oh, oh. Roberts with his bandage on his head, no teeth, beaming yeah. away. Mm. You've got to have, that's, that's definitely above the fireplace that one I've got a few I've got well, I've got a Cody one I've got a Cody one a Jimenez one Neves one um, yeah I'd have that Bully you know Bully when he put he, uh, he had that shirt on underneath and it had 4-2 and 2-0 or something like that and I think he had something like pack up your baggies on it it was that it was the Owen Roberts season, and I think it was the following game when he scores and he put his shirt over over his head and exposed that. So that's you yeah, know what that'd be up there. You know what a fine piece of artwork I'd, I would uh, love to have in the house, walls related. I'd love someone to do me like an oil painting of the moment that fan dived into the Wigan fans. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love to have someone, maybe Louise Cobbled could do us like, like a really nice watercolour painting of the moment of him launching himself into all that pack of Stewards and Wigan fans. <laughs> that'd be great. Oh, that'd be perfect. Does anyone actually know who that fan was? I'm, I'm, I'm just Sorry. thinking that'd be a great story from the past. don't know. Um, He's uh, gone so, down like, legend, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, just gone down in like folklore, isn't it? But we will be back to on uh, Sunday evening to talk about the West Ham game and also to preview the Liverpool Cup replay as well. 
Um, I was going to say, it only feels like yesterday since we played them. Um, but big thank you to everyone who's uh, tuned in once again. We appreciate and love your support and engagement as always. Shout outs to 90 Min Network as well. Um, make sure you keep up with all things Wolves Fancast at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. And until next time, it's goodbye from Jafo. Good night, Wolves fans. It's goodbye from Tom. Bye all. It's goodbye from Adam. Adios. And it's goodbye from me. Up the forest. Wait, no. Up the wolves. Up the wolves. Cover feed. (laughs) Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.